0: Hello and welcome to Connect Points Podcast and Sermon Archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. All right. Everybody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So we're in this, uh, this series uh, called Giving God's, giving God's Money. If I say giving God's money. And uh, we talked about last uh, week some things. And I'm just going to do a kind of a quick recap. If you were not here last week, please don't take this recap. It's all you need to know. Uh, Get online and listen to it uh, on your own and and, uh, read the scriptures and do some self-study. But we noticed that as we begin to look at giving God's money and the idea of giving, uh, that we saw the word willingly a lot. Everybody say willingly. Amen. That, That willingly, the Spirit that is connected to our giving matters, The where it comes from. We talked about that giving is a heart issue and that we must uh, willingly uh, connect to God through it, and it must come from our heart. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 8, But this I say, He would soweth sparingly, shall reap also sparingly. He would soweth bountifully, shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. And we're going to get back to that scripture in just a little bit, uh, again for tonight but we talked about that heart issue and willingly and and before that we we get too wrapped up in ourselves we, we need to remember that God had it first everybody remember that Everybody say God had it first Every good and perfect gift comes down from him, right? Everything, all, everything that is a, a positive increase in our lives, amen, was in God's hands long before it was ever in our hands. And Deuteronomy 8, uh, 17 and 18, and thou say in thine heart, there it is again, heart, my power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth and he may establish his covenant which is a swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. Now don't let that word wealth uh, throw you off there. You're like, well I ain't wealthy so that don't apply to me. <laughs> don't let that. Happen. We'll talk about that in a minute, okay? Amen. Uh, but but basically this scripture is telling us that we can get this mindset that that I earned this money, this is my money, I did it with my skill, I did it with my ability, I did it with the work of my hands, and so I don't really need to consider anything else when it comes to my money. But Deuteronomy is telling us that you need to remember that God had it first. Not only did he have the money first, but he's the one that gave you the ability to do the work. Amen? Amen, I'm gonna ask everybody to be liberal with the amens tonight if you if you believe in what I'm talking about, okay? Amen, but so so your ability to think, your ability to work, your ability to get to work, the job in the first place, it all was in his hands first. And so we need to understand that. And so we look, took time last week to kind of build, the foundational principles of, of the willingness to give. And then we, we, from that, we begin to talk about specifically tithing. Everybody say tithing. And we looked in the scriptures. We looked at a lot of scriptures. And we talked about that, that tithing is that giving 10% of our increase to the kingdom of God. But it's not just 10%. It's what? It's the first, good job, it's the first 10%, and we tried to illustrate to why that matters. Because if we wait till the end to give God what's left after we've given to everything else, God has nothing left to bless. If our whole check is gone and then we give God the, the fragmented remains of our check, then there's nothing for him left to bless of our check. But if we give him the first 10%, there's still 90% left for God to bless, to multiply, and to use in our favor. And we looked at that in a lot of different verses of Scripture, some Old Testament and some New Testament. And we understand that that's the first 10% before we give to anything else. We also understand that the tithing comes to the house of God. It comes, the Bible talks about the storehouses, it talks about the places, the rooms that were specifically designed in the temple, where they kept that which was brought as the tithe of their day. Now the tithe of their day would have reflected the currency of their day, right? It would have reflected the currency of their day. And so we read about tithings of of the first fruits of their grain and all this kind of stuff. Amen. That That was the currency of their day, the sheep. That was the currency of their day. Our currency today is a little bit different than that. But it, the the principle of giving applies still the same, and so they had a place that they brought it to the temple. Amen. They didn't walk into the priest and say, "I want you to spend this much on the uh, uh, the frankincense." <laughs> I don't want. I want you to spend this much uh, on uh, getting the temple cleaned. I want you to spend this much uh, on adding an addition out back. No. That that's not tithing. Tithing is 10%, the first 10% given to the house of God, entrusted to what God wants to do with it. Amen. And if that bothers you, then that's really not a problem. Most, most of the time when people hear that, they say, if that bothers them, it's less that they're bothered uh, by God, but they're more bothered by, like me, the pastor or the church leadership that might be trying to make some decisions about how we handle the money that comes in. And we talked about the building last week. We talked about how, that, how money works the same way in here as it does with your house and with your stuff and everything else. It works the same way. And so we talked about that. And that's a trust issue, that's a hard issue. You're gonna have to deal with that if you're gonna be a giver, all right? Because until the day that you can translate yourself up to heaven and walk up to the throne and hand them 10% of your check, all you can do is give it to the the work of God's kingdom. You can't give it directly to God. You could just only give it to the work of his kingdom. And so we talked about that. So I wanna talk about that second category that is mentioned in uh, as far as the, the required biblical giving that we find in Malachi three, and I'll read the verses again. Malachi three eight through eleven. You can turn there or follow along on the screen. It starts out, and you remember, it's a little bit of a gut punch. It's a little bit of a, it's a check, right? He <laughs> says, "Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me." Now. If, if the Lord showed up, manifests himself in your living room and looked at you and said, why are you robbing me? Do you think you would ever have any problem giving tithes and offerings again? No. But here's his word. And his word, remember, in the beginning was the word. And the word, what, was made flesh and dwelt among us, right? Amen, the word was God, the word was with God, all of that. Amen. So his word is just like him standing in front of us saying, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? He answers, in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So that's a a gut punch, right? We get that. But he keeps going. Somebody say, thankfully. He keeps going. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Somebody say, all. All All the tithes. The full first 10% into the storehouse. That there may be meat in mine house. And prove me. Somebody say, prove me. It's a direct challenge from deity. Prove me how now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there, there shall not be room enough to receive it. Oh, somebody say thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. This thing turned quick, didn't it? I liked it. I liked it when the Lord keeps speaking. Amen. This is one of the beautiful things about God is if God ever hits you in the face and challenges you, which by the way, if he's never done that, you're just not paying attention. Amen. If he ever hits you in the face and challenges you, you need to just stand there and take it and keep your ears open because he will never knock you down that he doesn't immediately tell you how you can get back up and make it right. Amen. He'll immediately show you how to get better. And so he says, "I will pour you out a blessing that shall not be room enough to contain." I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field. Saith the Lord of hosts. Somebody say, Praise the, "Praise the Lord!" And so we talked about tithing last week. I want to talk about biblical offerings. This week. Now we are we are one Lord, one faith, one baptism, right? We are oneness apostolic Pentecostal believers. Somebody say amen. amen. We believe in one road to heaven. Somebody say, Praise the Lord. Amen. amen. Everybody agrees with that. But we also believe you can give more than one dollar in the offering plate. Well, not as many amens on that one. <laughs> right? Amen. We you to, to meet the biblical plan and principle and purpose of giving offerings. We need to understand it biblically. And so we want to look at that because this, this word offerings, uh, it means that it's a, a present offered up in sacrifice, okay? So it's 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 directed as like it's a gift, except we understand. That God said, you rob me if you don't give tithes and offerings. So we need to kind of find out what does that mean if my offerings a, is a gift, but, I, but I, if I don't do it, there's going to be a curse. And he talks about the devourer. And the devourer is that which burns up, that which consumes uh, their, and their, their time and their lingo, when he would have said devour, they would have, start, they would have thought of something like hordes of locusts that would come in and annihilate their crops. That's the kind of stuff they would have thought of. And remember, their crops were their currency, their livelihood. And the devourer could really mess their lives up. And so that's the kind of thing they would have thought about. There are three things that limit people from meeting the criteria of biblical giving. The first one is knowledge. Everybody say knowledge. Most people just have never really looked into it. Frankly, a lot of people have just never studied it. They've just never looked into it. Uh, they, they, uh, maybe their flesh really doesn't want to know, <laughs> but they just it's a knowledge. That's one of the main reasons why people don't do it. The second one that people don't participate in biblical giving is faith. Because they've heard and they've read the Word of God, they just don't know if they believe that it's actually gonna happen the way God says it's gonna happen. The third one, of course, is the darkest one that's disobedience. Some people have heard it, they see it, they just say, I don't want anything to do with it, I don't wanna be a part of it, they just don't wanna be obedient to the Word of God. The good news about all three of those is we can fix those things, those are fixable things. And, and uh, you say, well, I, man, I, I haven't participated in tithing. I haven't participated in offerings. and It's been so long, Pastor, I can't even remember the last time. Amen. Well, guess what? You can change that. You can change that. And we're not, you don't even have to pay back what you owe from the past. You can just start now. Right? You know, if you don't pay your taxes on a piece of property for 10 years, and then they come to take it, and you say, well, I want to keep my piece of property. They say, well, you owe us 10 years back taxes. Well, guess what? We're not going to do that. That's not, how the, that's not how God works. He wants people to see it, understand it, do it, and be blessed by it. That's what he wants. So, so uh, we don't have to stay on the wrong side of giving. The, the best thing you can do for yourself when it comes to giving God's money, and this is Let me just say this, and then we'll move on to some uh, scriptures and some steps. But when it comes down to it, the best thing you can do is settle it in your heart and be done with the debate. You say, well, I need some theological principles. I need some verses. I need some We'll get there. But I'm just telling you right off at the front. The best thing you can do is just settle it in your heart and don't debate about it anymore. I'm going to give tithes. I'm going to give offerings. It's the same exact thing when it comes to church attendance. The best thing you can do is just settle it in your heart. I'm going to be at church when the doors are open. Just settle it in your heart. Settle it in your mind. The debate, the debate, the question, the always, well, maybe if, maybe not, that's what's keeping you stressed out. That's what's keeping you unsettled. That's also what keeps you from growing in God. All right. And so uh, if, if every time this this the idea of giving comes up, we have a mental debate every time the offering plate comes by. You know, let me, let me tell you something. If every time you see the offering plate coming your way, you get stressed out. You're doing it wrong. You are doing it wrong. All right. You, you get you get stressed out. Uh, you're, you're, you're doing it wrong. I, I remember uh, early on when I when I first became pastor, um, You know, and I was sitting up on the platform a lot, and so the the ushers were, you know, there was conversations, it's like, you know, I'll have my offering, and you guys come up here because I want everyone to make sure that they see me giving, and and if they don't see me giving, they're going to think, and there was all this like anxiety over, okay, because I was a young pastor, so, but probably more than it was necessary, and eventually I was just like, you know what, (laughs) my wife does a fine job. Handling that portion of our lives, I'm not going to stress out over this, because God knows, I understand. I, I, if I don't, if I don't get up and walk down and put my money in the offering plate and walk back up and let everyone know Pastor gives too, if I have to do that for people to believe I give, we're really doing something wrong here, right? But but there's some anxieties and some things that can be connected to giving when the reality of it is it doesn't have to be that way. When you come into alignment with God's word, you, when you realize the, the point of it all, the purpose of it all, it can really change how we, how we think about it and how, it, how it, uh, we can go from uh, being miserable to really it, it make uh, quite uh, some impact, positive impact in our life. So, you know, we're, if God has to kind of pry our hands open to get us to give, you're going to be constantly frustrated with God. You're going to be constantly frustrated with God. You, 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 get a, you get a bonus at work, or, or some extra money comes in out of somewhere, and all of a sudden you're like, uh, well, uh, I, I don't think I need to give any of that. I don't need, that does, that's a, you, you're having this... Anxiety attack over if I have to give any of this bonus money. <laughs> bonus money that God had first. Um, if he's, if he's, you say, well, I wish God would just leave me alone on this giving thing. He's not going to. He's not going to. We don't, we don't talk about it a ton around here. We try to talk about it enough. We'll take usually about once a year to do some a little bit more in-depth teaching. And one of the reasons why is because I don't have to talk about it all the time because I know God's talking to you about it all the time. I know if you're praying and you're reading your Bible and you're, you're getting in, in, in the Spirit, He's talking to you about your money. I have no doubt on that. And he can talk to you a whole lot better than I can. Ain't that right? And so he's never going to stop encouraging us to give. Why won't God leave us alone on it? The reason he won't leave us alone on it is he wants what's best for us. He knows what's best. Luke 6 38. Give and it shall. Somebody say shall. shall. Now, look, anytime you see the word shall in the word of God that ought to really do something for you. Shall, that's deity, that's God Almighty declaring something shall be done. Nothing can mess with it. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure, I say same measure. The same measure, measure means portion, with the same portion that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. So, now, this verse in Luke six thirty-eight is illustrative. Everybody say illustrative. It's illustrative. He's, he's using illustrative language that would have made sense to them to, to drive his point home. So, let's be illustrative with it a little bit, okay? So, we have the measuring tape. All right. Brother, can you help me out? All right, take that in and just head that way. all right, so let's just go ahead and call this go ahead there you go. let's just call this the limitless blessings of God let's just let's just in our illustrative mind, please tell me I didn't break this okay uh, in our in our illustrative mind let's just call this the endless blessings of God the overabundance, the storehouses of heaven, everything that God is and has is available, right? And that's what this is. What God says is, come back towards me. What God says is, come on, come on, come on, come on. There you go. (laughs) What God says is, is what we measure out or the proportion to which we give is the proportion to how much We get back. That's the beginning level. That's the beginning level. So if I'm like, uh, I'm not really that invested. I don't really care that much about it. This is really not that important to me. i just kind of here for the free snacks. (laughs) Then, Then, you know, we might live in this area, right? And so I'm like, okay, go ahead and let go just for a second. Stand there. So, so, so I'm, I'm me now, and you're God. How you doing, God? All right. so, so I say, okay, God, that's how much I'm going to give you. And then, and then God says, okay, that's how much I'm going to give you back. That's fair, right? The portion that you give, he give back. Now, he don't have to do that, by the way. He doesn't have to do that. But that's just the baseline love of God right there. That's just him saying, well, you gave that much. So, so if I decide, okay, God, we give that much. God says, okay, then I'll give that back. And this is kind of the progression of giving, that the journey of giving that you really need to get on because it's a blast. It really is a whole lot of fun. Taking steps, go ahead, a little bit further to give more to God. You say, well, okay, I gave my tithes. That's, that's 10%. That's set. But offerings isn't. He doesn't put a percentage on offerings. He still says that if you don't give offerings, there's a curse, you're robbing me, right? But he doesn't give a percentage. That's why we call it a free will offering. Because this is, tithing is really a measure of obedience. God says there's 10%. You have to give me 10% of, you know, the 100% I gave you, I'm asking you to give 10% back. That's a measure of obedience. Offerings is really a measure of heart. It's a measure of faith. You see what I'm saying? And so you say, well, that that worked. I gave more than I've ever given, and I'm, I'm getting more than I've ever got. I think I'll... Just stay here. Why? Why would you stay there if it worked? Remember, he said, prove me, right? Right. Prove me if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you will not have room in your storehouses to be able to contain. So instead of saying, well, this is good, why wouldn't you go, oh. Let's try this. See what this does. And the shall... The shall never goes away. So we, you can continue to, to prove God, and you can prove him more and more and more and more and more. And you will never, and people have been saying this line for a long time because it's true, you will never outgive the Lord. You will never outgive the Lord. And so how much we give in offerings is really up to us but we'll talk about we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second but you just remember the measurement okay remember how the measurement works but at after he says good measure a good measure an honest measure now they were they 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 would have been thinking a lot of different things One, the main thing they would have been thinking about is kind of the balances Uh, dealing with like grain or whatever that they would pour on the the balance, the weights and measure out how much it was worth and all that. And there was some problems. You read about this in scripture that some people got really in trouble (laughs) because their balances were not right. Right? They were taking advantage of people. Uh, Amos, right? In Amos, we talked about that when we did the study of Amos. Uh, They had their, their balances were unjustly done. And so there was a lot of, they got them, God made God very mad. Because they were robbing people. So they were thinking about that. But, but then he says here, that's good measure. But then he doesn't stop with good measure, which is him giving back to us what we give to him. He says good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Right? All right, so let's see here. I need a, I need a, let's see here. Brother. John Minjavar, come on up here. Give him a hand. I could tell by the look in your eye, you were dying to do this. You guys couldn't see it. He was hand in the air. Pick me, pick me, pick me. Alright, so, so this is what this That real tight. Okay. So, this is kind of somewhat of the attire of their day. Not quite this, but we'll go with illustrative, right? You with me? Okay, so, so let's step back just a second. So, when it says, sh- press down, shaking the other, running over, shall men give into your bosom? The reason why it uses that lingo is because they would wear these robes, tunics, whatever. And they would have the overlap in them like this. Pull this over like that. And this here would be like a pocket. Okay, this, they would carry stuff in this there. So when the Bible says give into your bosom, this is what it means. Into this carrying pouch of your whatever, okay? So come over here with me. So we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna call this, So he says, you give, you give, here, give that to me, you give, and I'll give it back to you, good measure, okay, but he doesn't stop there, does he, he says, I'll give it back to you, good measure, but it's also going to be pressed down, so, and, and, and and it's going to be, it's going to be shaken together, all right, now this more illustratively pl- applies much better to like grain or something you know that if you shook it it would settle and you know you push out the air but but we're just doing one illustration for the whole thing press down and then and, and and he says basically he says shaking together until until the point you get to the point you see how this works Given it shall be given unto you, good measure. We we went way past good measure a whole long time ago. But this is how God responds. God says, if you'll do it from heart, willingly, obediently to me, if you will not rob me but obey me, I'm I'm willing to just keep... Now, I don't don't know why my wife has all these bags. (laughs) But... Thank God she did for the illustration. And and he says he said he's just gonna keep shaking it together, pressing it down, until until literally it's running over. Until your your bosom, your your pocket, you can't even hold anymore. Does anybody get excited about this at all? you can't, you, can't even hold, <laughs> you can't even hold anymore the, the blessings of God. He says, prove me. I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing in your life that you don't even have room enough to contain. Yeah, right. Don't have room enough to contain. Now, this is, this is very interesting because, because this is a, a physical illustration of their, their, their tunic pocket and how it would overflow. But we have bank accounts. We have bank accounts that are designed to be able to hold whatever we put in there. And God says, I will open up the windows of heaven and it will overflow. Overflow. And so you say, well, how does that overflow? How could that possibly be applied in the age of the bank account? Well, one way you could apply it is is that God can give us a whole lot more than money. And so we give Money, which this is talking about money, the scripture is talking about money. We give money and God gives back to us money and health and peace and joy and a healthy marriage. Anybody believe that the blessings, all of those things, are blessings of God? Does anybody believe that all of those things are blessings of God? Thank you. You can just let it all run over. (sighs) All right, so... How much we give is up to us, but not entirely. We have to give offerings, or else we're robbing God. But how do we determine the amounts? If there's no percentage put on it, if God doesn't say an amount... How do we figure that out in our lives? 2 Corinthians 9, 6, 8. This is a pretty good way. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he, look at this now, purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. What we plant, he says, we will reap. And so when we're thinking about offerings, tithing is 10%, non-negotiable. But when we're thinking about offerings and our level of giving, we have to make it a matter of our heart, right? He says, purposeth in his heart. We have to make it a matter of our heart. And we have to make it a matter of a right attitude. We got to have do it with a right attitude. And it's our desire then to please God and to do the things that he loveth, it says here, and to show forth the his promises in our life. But I want you to remember something about God's way of giving. This is this is this is interesting. As you know, as you reap. As you sow, you shall reap. Well, I was, I was thinking about that. Okay, we got some uh, ears of corn. And we have one kernel of corn or one seed, if you want to you wanna look at it that way. So one kernel of corn, one seed, planted correctly, done correctly, watered correctly, God doing all of his stuff that he does right, can produce one to four ears of corn. And there are 400 to 600, depending on the size, individual kernels on one ear of corn. So in God's way of doing things, this becomes this. And long before we ever dealt in dollar bills and dimes and quarters and nickels and checks and you know debit cards and all that kind of stuff, God was already showing through his creation and how it would work that something like this can become something like this. And so he is wanting to teach us to think that way. Because that's how he thinks and that's how he operates. And he wants us Part of his creation to also work like the rest of his creation. Everybody with me? All right. He says, I'm able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Now, if you were, if you, we leading people or, 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 or boss or whatever. This kind of language, they would tell you, don't ever use this kind of language. Don't ever make promises that you're not 100% you can back up. Don't ever make grandiose statements. Don't ever use this type of language. But God's not scared to use this type of language because he's God. All grace, always having sufficiency in all things, abounding to every good work. But this word sufficiency, this is interesting to me. This word sufficiency is a Greek word which means contentment. Somebody say contentment. Like the Apostle Paul, God wants to get us to a place where we can be content. Just We're building something here. Just stick with me, okay? To be content. Remember Philippians 4, 11-13? Not that I speak in respect of want. Paul says, I'm not speaking from respect of want. For I have learned... If I say it's a learned behavior, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You say, well, that doesn't sound very pleasing. That doesn't, that sound, doesn't sound very fun. You know what would, might surprise some people? You might be surprised how freeing contentment is in life. I think some people would be shocked to find out how much liberty there is, how much freedom, how much peace there is in contentment to be free from the constant need to accumulate more stuff. To be free from the constant need to have a job as good as their job or a house as nice as their house. And oh, they got a new car. I got to get a new car. Oh, look at that snowblower. Now I got to go get a snowblower. You know, to be free from this constant need to measure up to our fellow man. To be free from the pleasures I and mean, the pressures to try to please society, to have the right brand on our clothing and the right look and to have all the right stuff and shop at the right places. Oh, you shop at that grocery store? I shop at this grocery store. Good for you. But guess what? Here's the thing. You can be free from that. You don't have to live under that. You don't have to live under that pressure. There is such a freedom in contentment and knowing about how I can be thankful for what I have. It's hard to be thankful for what you have when what you have is never enough. That's the problem, is that we get wrapped up in this stuff, this pressures of life, where we feel like we got to have more and more and more. And the thing is, is if you got more, you wouldn't be content then. You wouldn't be content then. And so it's about understanding how to get to this place uh, 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 and how we can receive this type of stuff. And I would say it like this, contentment is a blessing of God. It's a blessing of God, and when He says, "Prove me, challenge," I challenge you. I will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. One of those blessings is contentment. Contentment. That's why when we preach around here, it's not. It's it, we don't do give to get, give to get, give to get, give to. No, that's not who we are. That's not who we are. We're not, we're not, we're not giving so that we can go, I wanna, I wanna drive a nicer car, so I'm gonna give. I want a nicer house, so I'm gonna give. You know what? God will bless you, and you may get the nicer car. You may get the nicer house. But we understand something about our God and what the blessings of God are and which ones we really want in this life. That if I never get the nicer car, there's a lot of other blessings that God can give me that I would rather have than the nicer car. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but a peaceful marriage, I thank God for a peaceful marriage. You take everything else I own, but I'm thankful for my peaceful marriage. There's a world full of people out there that don't know what a peaceful marriage is like, but I thank God for that blessing. Right. Amen. Amen. Contentment is a blessing of God. First Timothy 6, six says, says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. You know what that means? That scripture is saying when you live holy and you're happy about it, you're a blessed person. <laughs> Nothing worse than someone trying to live holy with a bad spirit. Oh, Ooh. makes me sick. Trying to live holy with a bad spirit. That's just the worst. But if you're if you holy and you're happy about it, you got a good spirit about it, that is a major blessing in life. So let's look a little bit deeper. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 again. So aboundly, reboundly, according to your purpose in your heart, let him give. He uses this word abound, bound every good work. That word abound actually means to superabound in quality or quantity, to have abundance, to be more abundant, to exceed, to excel and increase that's what he means there. He says his grace is going to superabound towards us. And that because his grace superabounds towards us, we are going to superabound in every good work. That means that the good works that I do, there's going to be multiplied efforts to that. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's going to be times when you're going to be like, man, I got this huge task. I just, man, this seems so overwhelming. And all of a sudden, you're going to just get at it, and you're going to get it done. And you're going to be like, man, I don't even, that was easier than I thought. That's That's because the grace of God was super abounding towards you. Oh, hallelujah. It's because it was the grace of God that was helping you to be more than you are. And what he's talking about here, don't forget, don't forget, that's still connected to giving. It's still connected to giving. Proverbs 3 and 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and when the first the first fruits of all thine increase. The word substance here means wealth, not wealthy. It means wealth. It's talking about income. It's just talking about the income, okay? So it applies to all of us that have any income of any kind. The first fruits he's talking about here is is connecting it to this idea that, like the same with tithe, that you need to consider this before anything else. See, these are the two things, tithes and offerings. These are the two things that have a curse connected to them. Right? These are the two things that the devourer is involved in. And so he says, I, You need to consider these two things first. And we talked about tithing last week, but it also applies to offerings. And it, so he says, To all thine increase, if I say all of all thine increase, say thine, everybody say, just say increase. You need to think increase. What is coming, what is increasing? We don't just, so. When we think about that, that means that we probably are not going to pay the same amount of tithe every single week of the year. You say, well, I make this much at work, and this is how much my check is. It's the same way every week. Well, that might be true, but what about the rest of your increase? Did any other increase come into your your life? Did any other money come into your life? He said, Well, I mean, I didn't get a huge inheritance or anything. <laughs> That's not what it says, is it? It's just increase. You said, Well, Pastor, come on now. You're being a little ridiculous. I mean, okay, I got 50 bucks for my birthday. You want me to tithe on that? You do what you want to do. I, I tithe on it. It's increase. By the way, it's birthday money. We're back to bonus money here again. That also was in his hands first. You say, well, what do I do with gift cards? Well, pray about it and figure it out. I don't know. Everybody's going to be like, I don't want cash from now on. Gift cards only for me. All these script cards around here. You don't have to tithe on those. Now, you might want to pray about that first. Increase, increase. And so but it, it, it's because of that, but we pay 10% of our increase because that can change, that can change. But when it comes to offerings, you need to think about something. We shouldn't just be habitually throwing in the same amount into the offering plate every time it comes by because we need to consider our increase. We also need to consider the blessings that God has brought into our life. He doesn't put a percentage on it, but he says, I need you to think about it. See, the problem, and so often in churches, uh, tithing, people think about because there's math, right? And he made it really easy, by the way, 10%, pretty easy. That's about, about the easiest math you can get. But there's math involved, and you have to try to figure it out. So you think about it a little bit. But offerings, because he doesn't give us a percentage, we don't think about it. And the thinking about it is the part that's messing us up. We should be thinking about it. and he said, In fact, he's saying you should be thinking about these two things before you think about anything else. You should be thinking about tithes and offerings before you think about giving money to anything else. Sometimes, you know, you can't, you, you, you can't get three raises at work and, and up your tithes three times but still be throwing the same amount of money into the offering plate. This is, this is what God's trying to get us to think about. He's like, no, wait a minute. You, you were obedient, and I blessed you. You see how this works? He blessed you so that you could bless others, so that you could bless the kingdom of God. But if he gives us the raise at work and, and, we, don't up our, and we don't up our tithes, what do you think he's gonna do? Right? If he gives us the raise at work and we up our tithes, but we don't even consider offerings, we never even think about it, and we're just reaching for whatever's in our, in our pocket when the plate comes by, what is God going to do? He doesn't have to keep blessing us. There's nowhere in there that says he's forced to do this. Nowhere. Nowhere. He does it as a connection, as a grace, as a love to those that will obediently follow his word. That's why he does it. And so he's trying to get us to consider. Everybody say consider. And so he uses this, uh, uh, the, these words here when he says honor the Lord. Everybody say honor the Lord. He wants us to honor him with our giving. He wants us to consider that it was at his hands first, and every good thing comes from him. And he wants us to honor him with what we give back. We ought to consider that when the offering plate comes around or when we're filling out the envelope and we've, we've considered tithes, but now we're considering offerings. Are we honoring God? Is our offering honoring the Lord? Especially when you read, honor the Lord with thy substance, Proverbs 3, 9, 10, and with the first fruits of all thine increase, so shall, there it is again, shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. He says, honor me and I'm just gonna turn around and just bless you. Right? Honor God. Even though he doesn't put a percentage on offerings, our offerings should honor him, and so there should be some sort of proportion to our increase, to our income. There should be some sort of proportion. I'm not gonna give you a percentage, but you need to think about it, and say, man, I'm giving 10% amen man tithes, because that's because that's God's what tells me to say that belongs to him, it's not mine, I don't even, I'm supposed to touch that, that goes to him. But offerings are supposed to be considered first too before I consider anything else how could I honor him based upon what I have received? Not how can I honor him based upon what goes through my mind in the 30 seconds that I realize they called for the ushers, but how can I honor God based upon my finances and my increase? Amen. Right? right? Every man, Deuteronomy 16, 17, we're coming to close. Every man shall give as he is able according to, to the blessing of the Lord thy God which he hath given thee. Some people just say, well, the Bible says I'm supposed to give as I'm able, and I'm not able. Well, the Bible says that, but it doesn't stop there. You should give as you are able according to the blessing of the Lord that he has given you, which means I have to consider my increase. I have to consider what God has given to me. And I have to take that into account when I decide what I'm going to give back to him. He's just asking you to think about offerings. He's asking you to think about it. Remember it. Don't be robotic about it. Consider these things. And notice it says here, it doesn't say every man shall give if he is able. It says every man shall give as he is able. There's never really an if. We're always able to give. We're always able to give. You say, well, I didn't didn't get a paycheck this week. Okay. Was there any increase? Did God give you anything at all? Is there anything that God's done for you? (laughs) You see what I'm saying? You see how this works? Oh, hallelujah. God may be the only one who knows what we are able to to give but God does know he does know now if you want to if you want to be in le- leadership positions and stuff around here tithing matters and and it, the top levels of leadership are really the only people that, that I have any kind of track of or any type of report of their, their tithing and stuff like that. But if you want to do God's work, you, you gotta, your money's got to be submitted. If your money's not submitted, you can't do God's work. And so that's a thing about it. But the truth of the matter is, is as far as offerings go, you and God may be the only people who know if you're, if you're honoring him with your offerings. But don't forget, God does know. He is paying attention. I may mention next week about the lady, the little woman. She gave her very last, right? And one of the things that jumps out of some of that scripture is that Jesus was paying attention. Jesus was not only watching as they gave that day, because, but he was watching everybody that gave. Because he calls his disciples over and he says, some of these people gave out of their abundance. But she gave out of her want. Right? Which means he's paying attention. You know, a few Wednesday nights ago, the ushers came forward. And they prayed. And they walked all the way back and went through the whole thing. And there was nothing in the plate. You can laugh. I'm smiling because we're going to fix it. Now, look, I understand in the, the money age that we live in and how people deal with their money and all that, amen, that, that you might not always physically be putting in the plate every service. You might be handling that differently, depending on how you get paid and everything. I understand that. But... Probably shouldn't be, huh? Probably shouldn't be able to go through a whole crowd of people with offering plates, get to the back, and have two empty offering plates. Probably shouldn't be. You say, well, you know, I pay this way, I pay that way. Pretty soon we're going to have online giving. We'll be paying that. I understand that. I have no problem with that. But, you know, there wasn't even some, like, little kids that mom and dad gave a nickel to before service? You know, that's still good. That's still a good idea, by the way. Here's some offering for church. Here's something to give. It's still a good practice to train up a child in the way that they should go. If, you, if, you give your, if, if, if your, your kids get any type of allowance, and please don't kill me, some people, you say kids and allowance and they just think that's so when I was, bless God, when I was a kid. You did your chores or you got beat. There, no, there was no allowance. That's fine. That's fine, but let me tell you something. People have, to, giving is a learned behavior. It's a learned behavior. And if you think that never telling them about it, teaching them about it, illustrating for them or giving them an opportunity to participate in church their entire childhood that when they become 16, 17 and they get their first job, they're just going to be like, yeah, I get the tithe. You are mistaken. and It's going to be a whole lot harder to teach them that lesson at that moment than it would to teach it to them when they were young and we were dealing with, you know, pennies and nickels and dimes and dollar bills and stuff. But I'm telling you, you don't want them to struggle with this. I don't want you to struggle with it. You shouldn't want to struggle with it. You shouldn't want your kids to struggle with it. This is not something that you want to struggle with because this is one of the greatest and easiest. And yes, I'm going to say easiest because once you break a spirit of mammon in your life and money doesn't have power over you anymore and you're no longer subject to this world's view of money, this actually becomes very, very easy. And when you begin to realize that the more I give to God, the more he gives back to me, it actually becomes fun. And I'm telling you right now, giving can actually be something that you enjoy and have fun. That's why he says you can be a cheerful giver. Right. That is a possibility in God's kingdom for you to actually be giddy about it, excited about it, happy about it. I can't wait. To, I get to give more to God. That I can be a part of this. Right. It's actually a very, very powerful, powerful thing. So you need to give. You need to decide what you're going to give based on the scriptural principles. And then 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, now concerning the collection of the saints as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye upon the first day of the week. Let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. He says you need to decide what your offering is going to be. You need to plan for it. You need to lay it by him in store. That means you need to have it ready to give, and you need to give that which God has prospered. You cannot, don't forget what God has done for you when you're considering your offerings. So there's a whole lot more thinking and planning going into offerings than maybe you're used to, but you will not regret it. Look at that, think about it. Make it proportional to what God has given you. A purpose ahead of time. There are a lot of things calling for your money. And everything else that calls for your money cannot return to you like God can. So I got a great, this great rate, and I got my money in this high-yield thing and all this kind of stuff. Okay, but not like God. Not like God. There are a lot of things that are calling for money. Many of them are very necessary. I understand that, but also many of them are completely unnecessary. There's a lot of things that we give money to that are undeserving of our money. Or I should say, they're undeserving of God's money. It's undeserving of God's money. And there's a way to know the difference. Last verse, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. "'Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, "'where moth and rust doth corrupt, "'and where thieves break through and steal. "'But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, "'where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, "'where thieves do not break through nor steal.' For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We're giving God's money, folks. We're giving God's money. And how we do that matters. And what we give it to matters. These things, these things matters. These things should be considered. And so I think we need to get it right. Amen? Amen. I'll remind you that there's a box in the back that says giving God's money on it with some note cards. If you have any questions, uh, please write down your questions and put them in that box. I think I checked last week. Nobody put any questions in. I taught on tithing for 45 minutes and nobody had one single question about that. I would love to say, well, praise God, hallelujah, but I think maybe people just forgot. There is a box for questions in the back. I would like to take the last week of this uh, little mini-series and deal with those questions. If you don't... Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us please go online at connectpointupc.com and also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.